Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We stared at a Potemkin village, veiling the dystopian NFL as we listened to 64 disembodied voices cheering on the black and gold to its first home victory of the 2020 season. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is September 21st, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. And Nick joins me from the West Coast Outpost. Where are you? I'm out here in Los Angeles uh, getting some business done. But of course, uh, some of that business was sidetracked by a just a heart-palpitating type game that the Steelers took care of uh, in beautiful fanless uh high field yesterday well speaking of beautiful i'll bet it's beautiful out where you are right now you're correct so i really hope that you actually made good on that bet and put some money down and i hope that you made that bet on betonline.ag because there's no shortage of action going on with our partners at betonline.ag they've got the best lines they've got the best odds and you can bet on the steelers uh continuing their win streak to start this season they also got simulated nfl nba and ufc happening every day for our devout gamblers to check out they also got live casino games poker tournaments and the best props in the business maybe we can bet on some of juju celebrations visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus betonline.ag your online wagering experts the uh the steel men and what they got done yesterday. What are your overall first impressions from the game from yesterday against the Broncos? Feeling positive, negative, neutral? Well, I'm glad I slept on it because if you asked me after the game, it was just irritation and frustration <laughs> that we didn't beat up on a beat-up team. But having slept on it, a win's a win. Style points mm. don't count. I think we have to listen to our own pontification after one of these victories, because every game's a coin flipped in the NFL. Yeah, and I agree. To an extent, a win is a win, but they're, they're really not, because what you really want to do is extrapolate what the team looks like, and you have to take into account other teams are looking like, particularly in this COVID um, truncated offseason type of year. You also have to look at the Steelers' history. You have to look at what they're dealing with. And so you don't rate all wins and losses the same, right? Like even the, the Patriots had a big loss to the Seahawks last night, which there were some encouraging things about it for them. Like the fact, okay, they lost to Russell Wilson, who's a football D, but it turns out Cam Newton can throw the ball down the field. So that bodes well for them. The Steelers win. I'm pretty thoroughly happy with it, to be honest with you. 
Was it sloppy? Should they have won by 20? Of course. Yeah, they should have beat the Giants by 20. Um, the Steelers looked like they were going to get that done in the first half and they had a second half let up. But here's what I think. There's no preseason. The Steelers start slowly regardless. They lose this game every year. Within the first four games, they used to a base, they lose to a basement dwelling team, which is what Denver will be if they can't get these guys back, right? Their injuries back. They lose to a backup quarterback. And usually don't get the, the job done there. Well, they got it done this year. Look at what the Steelers are working with. Not a new quarterback, but a guy who hasn't played in a year. And now he's coming back to receiving core. Where, yeah, he sort of knows some of the guys. But Ebron, Juju, Deontay being the, the focal point of the offense in, in, in Washington, this is a new core. So there's not a lot of gelling there. It's a new offensive line at this point. The entire right side of the offensive line is new. So we knew from the beginning that there's going to need to be some gelling for those guys. What I saw from the offensive uh, side of the ball is that the players are trending upwards. The performances are looking good. There was sloppy elements to the play calling and to some of the fumbles and to some of the just lack of detail orientation in terms of, you know, screen game or things like that or whatever it is. But that to me speaks more to like, like team football and gelling I saw from Ben was significantly better than what the first game. I mean, just the pass downfield to Ebron alone or to uh, Claypool alone. I've watched 70,000 times because ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's happening. It's happening again. Claypool is happening, but Ben pushed the ball downfield when Feetner let him uh, let loose. He throwing the ball 20 yards at a time instead of just all these little tunnel screens. We saw that Deontay Johnson giveth and he taketh away. <laughs> When he giveth, he giveth to the other team. When he taketh away, he takes their souls by some of the best plays we've seen by a skill position player in the NFL this year. And he had like four in one game when you're talking about the Broncos. Obviously, Connor had a good game. We thought that he'd be out for the game. So, Dotson, Dotson, holy crap, for a first start, he played well. So, if you look all around, and we'll talk more about the rest of the players later, but I liked what all of the players did. And to win, even when you're sloppy that way, to me, is what the Steelers have to do early season. If they played the Chiefs or the Ravens right now, yeah, they'd be in trouble. But guess what? They lucked out with the schedule and they get a chance to get their sea legs under them. So that's how I feel uh, about the victory. I'm, I'm happy that they got out of the stadium with the victory. For sure. I think if you asked me the theme of the game before today, I would have said the deep, well, actually, I would have said the defensive effort, the line edge rushers and linebackers if they hadn't have lost steam in the second half or, or Denver yeah. figured out the defense. But when I reflect on it a little more, I think it's the offensive line. I mean, that was our question mark, right? I mean, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe running back was, was a question in some people's mind with uh, the, the assumption that Benny Snell was going to play more. That turned out not to be the case. It was the offensive line. You mentioned Dotson. Dotson, Dotson wasn't no, His name wasn't called at all. As a matter of fact, pro football focus voted, said that he had he didn't allow a single pressure on 42 uh, pass blocking snaps that was huge you had i think the only like obvious miscue i could see and i i looked at every running running play a couple of times was filer missed filer missed a block one time but generally the offensive line held up really well the um ben was not pressured <laughs> his miscues were either his own or right. uh, a, a misdirection on the on the on the route running. Yeah, I, I agree. And that, that's really impressive. And it just begs the question, 
is Munchak a double agent? Was Munchak uh, coaching up Chooks and and Dotson from the other side of the sidelines? Who knows? Maybe Surrett really has ascended that way. But um, I don't put any stock fact that the Steelers are beating up on lesser teams right now, just because, like I said, the Steelers have a lot of moving parts. And I think by the time they play the Ravens in week six or whatever it is, they will have gotten some of these things together. So let's talk about the defense. Like you're saying, I, I guess I opened the show by talking about the offense because it just feels like the defense is a given right now. I mean, it's, it's insane how fast they are. They are just over, they're going to overwhelm every team except for the chiefs and the Ravens. And then when they have some, clun- you know, one, once in a while you'll have just a bad week or some team will get really hot, but there's just no team that can deal with the type of speed like, oh, let's run away from TJ, right into Bud Dupree, you know, Minka, Hayden in the back end making some plays, but especially that that front seven. Even Bush and, and uh, Vince Williams were getting in there a lot on uh, on the defensive side. Mike Hilton probably had the game of his life. With, they're getting a little bit smarter with Mike Hilton's blitzes, more judicial again, rather than last year when they just blitzed him every play from the same formation and people realized, oh, yeah, they like to blitz this guy, so they picked him up. So I guess my thing with the defense is, it's absurd. I mean, it's just a matter of time before the dam breaks on almost any offense with them. And then to address your point about the second half, about how they started letting up yards. I think that a lot of that goes back to what I'm saying about team defense. There's a little giving up yards points right now. Um, and every game, look what happened with the Seahawks and the Patriots. That stuff I think will improve as the, they get more real game communication sort of experience there's actually a side line clip picked up quick uh from against the giants where i don't know if it was slayton or one of the giants receivers was was bonking some smack with his fellow giants um on the sideline about like the steelers like they're, they're quiet out there they're quiet talking about the defense and then nfl films did a really good job of flipping the camera to tomlin yelling at the defense like you're you're silent out there you need to talk and then they got better with it as the game went along, we talked about how the odds reps, they need preseason games, communication that goes on there. Same thing is true of the secondary. So if I extrapolate from this game, the biggest problems I had seem like things that can get better with uh, experience. So that's a positive. So if I could just line up a couple of these defensive statistics, Steelers seven sacks to one for Denver. Tackles for losses, 11 for the Steelers, 6 for Denver. Quarterback hits, Denver had three quarterback hits. The Steelers had 19. I had no idea that was that number. Jeez. Yeah, so if we're yeah, watching, no, the, I knew. If we're so watching the, the first, first play of the game. Oh, sorry. No, if you're watching the first half, you're just assuming we're going to sack. Um, we're going to get a sack on every play. I mean, Lock TJ wasn't Driscoll. the only... Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we were in the back the whole time. And when Driscoll came in, I mean, that was, it had to be an education. I mean, eventually they figured it out. Like I said, in the second half, he seemed to be pretty comfortable in the pocket. Uh, I mean, it's not that like he was getting no pressure, but he was definitely getting his feet planted. But the first half was was a tsunami. It was. And apologies to you guys out there listening. Once again, we're sort of pirate radioing this thing. Our Zoom has a little bit of a lag there. So sorry if it sounds like my words are coming in a little bit late i think um part of the big reason why the defense started getting giving up yards in the second half besides the fact that yeah they still needed to know things too 
it's because of Randy Feetner and it's because of the play calling and how the Steelers have a tendency to get incredibly conservative when they should really just go for the jugular. I think our buddy Derek the Kid put out a tweet earlier that I had ended up retweeting that showed the play calling after the Claypool TD. So look at the play calling here. After the Claypool touchdown, it should have broken the game wide open. First and 10 is a run for two yards. And second and eight is another run and a penalty. And it's third and 18. They pass for nine yards and they punt. Next drive is a pass for six yards, followed by two runs for a grand total of two yards. They punt again. Next drive, run on first down again, pass for nine, run for negative yardage again, lose yardage on a screen. Third and 16, they go for the, the first down, which is my most annoying thing ever. Look at this third drive. First down is a run for negative two. Okay, so that's second and 12. What are we going to do here, Randy? We're definitely going to run the ball, aren't we? So he throws a screen, a receiver run. Dumb, 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 <laughs> dumb, dumb. So it's negative four. Now we're third and 16. Okay, so if you decided on second and 12 that you're not going to try and pick up the first down, you shouldn't try to pick it up on third and 16. I'm going to be pissed if you do that because I think on second and 12 – Back in the Todd Haley days, at least, you still pass the ball forward and you pick you can pick up the first down. But if you're going to be hyper-conservative, your, your strategy doesn't even make sense. You're going to throw a screen on second and 12. You're going to lose yards. Okay, the next play that you call right now should be a draw because you've basically surrendered already. Nope. You decide to try and throw the ball downfield on third and 16 when everybody knows that you're going to – like they just don't have to let up a big play. So I always say to you, Dad, when we're watching these games, watch out. This is an interception situation because everybody knows they just have to protect 16 yards down the field. So Ben throws a pick. And so if you're wondering why Denver hung around, quote from Derek right there, that's a big reason that the, the play calling needs to help the, the defense because – when Randy has let Ben throw, we've seen it for two games in a row with the two-minute drill in the Giants game and with some of the drives at the end here of the, of the Denver game, they can, they can make things happen. I understand being conservative with Ben, especially with how he looked in the first half of the Giants game, but I think that the touchdown to, to Claypool and maybe even more impressive was where he broke the pocket to the right and hit Deontay on that touchdown pass, a little bit beyond, behind Deontay, but – We've seen a hundred of those touchdown passes from Ben over the years. Oh, Ben breaks the pocket to the right. It's touchdown time, right? So I think Ben is starting to get the rust off. You need to let the peacock fly, okay? The conservative thing is going to make it very difficult on the defense to hold the, the team, like to have a defensive drive. Your offense goes three and out. Go back on the field. The whole 10 play drive, whatever. Offense goes back on the field, three and out. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I used to give them the benefit of the doubt because I don't have the hubris to think I know what's going on or what's best for the team. I always figured there was some issue that that led to him calling those, you know, run plays on second and nine. But now that I see there's not a weakness on offense, there is there's clearly no lack of receivers, especially since you brought Ebron in. Now you, you've also proven your offensive line beyond a – it didn't take the entire game to realize, okay, offensive line is solid. We can do whatever we want here. And obviously you have an arsenal of receivers. So that play calling really doesn't make sense in light of the personnel we now have on offense. I agree. I think that last year you can make the argument that they wanted to be conservative on second long because you have Duck and Mason who – like, listen, I know it's ridiculous that we harp on these guys so much, but I think 
you need to have some perspective on how bad these guys were. And yes, they did not have a lot around them. They had a ton of injuries, no Connor, you know, so on and so forth. But it really was a futile endeavor. And I understand you have this great defense. And last year, you have to be so worried with the quarterbacks that it's like, if we can just not turn the ball over, we can try to win 14 to 13 every week. And we have to be conservative. So I, I understand it a little bit last year, even though I disagree, because who knows if you let Duck and Mason, if you let the reins off them a little bit more, maybe they would have had a little bit more chance for success. This year, I also understand being conservative to an extent because Ben is rusty. He has to get back into it. We saw how bad it was in the beginning of the Giants game, but I think it's done. I think we're done. I think the rust is over. I think the, the Claypool touchdown, some of the deep throws to Ebron, deep middle, um, the, the accuracy he's had to juju out in the flats, the long touchdown to Deontay, training wheels should come off. So there's no reason to be conservative anymore i'm just pretty damn sure we're still gonna see it so that's what makes me nervous from mandy feetner's perspective from a matt canada perspective there's some cool things happening if deontay johnson doesn't fumble that reverse on the first play of the game he had big time daylight they had a couple really cool tunnel screens to to juju that we haven't really seen here in pittsburgh uh, throughout this sort of modern phase of the NFL, there's that one where Juju kind of fakes to the inside on the screen and then goes back outside. He caught it, stiff armed somebody into the, the seventh circle of hell and gets it, picks up a huge first down. So there's some cool creative play calling now where there's actually picks being set for receivers. There's completions that are engineered for Steelers players. We haven't seen that. Usually it's just Ben freestyling to the killer bees or whatever it was. And they had a lot of success but they don't, they've never engineered enough easy completions. So I will say from a positive standpoint, I'm not seeing people talk enough about that. There are some cool things that are going on there. The problem is, <laughs> you know, the teams like the Rams or the Saints or the Niners or the Patriots who do those cool screens, they, they're much more detail-oriented and they, they succeed on those screens at a higher rate where the Steelers are kind of boom or bust. They either lose four yards or, or gain 20. Beatner thing is worrisome. We need to keep an eye on it. Hopefully he gets more aggressive now that he's more comfortable with Ben being in there. And that's what I feel about philosophically. Do you want to talk about any of the other positions? Now that we've talked about Ben and the offensive line a little bit, uh, as far as the offense goes. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the receivers and I think we've mentioned them. They have all the potential of the world, but they drop six passes collectively. Yeah. It's the Deontay Johnson syndrome. We talked about before. It's either the best play you've ever seen or the worst drop. That, once again, I really think it's a matter of them playing in a passing offense. It was such a weird year last year where you just kind of had to hold on and play defense. And now it's, hey, this is boom, boom, boom. Ben's going to be throwing the ball to you. You're going to have a lot of opportunities. And they're still young, so they're going to grow with that. I think, uh, so obviously, Deontay stands out a lot. Like, when you see him at his peak, I mean, a play, right? Touchdown's great the punt return touchdown that got called back for a phantom flop by none other than Nick Vanette on the, uh, he's the flopper on, on Denver punt returns. Unbelievable. The safety punt return was unbelievable. He had plenty of catches in the flat where he juked three guys and then got a first down. I mean, his upside is incredible. It's just, hope that he can get rid of, I don't know if he's drinking coffee before the game or maybe doing cocaine because he's a little bit too jittery when he's out there. He just needs to go ahead and settle down. And it looks like his ceiling is what we all think it is. The Claypool thing. I mean, say no more. The guy makes a glorious special teams tackle on the first play of the game. The incredible touchdown, which by the way, was so encouraging to us because we know what um, 
Claypool's potential is when you look at his measurables and what Ben has been able to do with the deep speed downfield guys, whether it's Mike Wallace, Martavis Bryant, even Sammy Coates had a day in the sun there. Like if you're a guy who can just run straight, Ben is going to, Ben is the quarterback for you. It's either Ben or Russell Wilson. Those guys are going to turn you into a star. Uh, but we didn't, we never saw Claypool really do that in college. He didn't have a quarterback who could throw the ball downfield. So you saw Claypool with back shoulder catches, end zone stuff, and crossers. You think like he should be able to run past guys. He has the measurables. We just haven't seen it. Well, we saw it against a 4-4 guy over there uh, in Denver. So that's big for him. And then I think people are starting to get a little bit more of an appreciation for Juju because his details uh, are incredible. His run after the catch is phenomenal. He's like a running back with the ball in his hands. He's bruising guys and he's very detailed in his route running and where he is and with the solid hands and everything like that so i think that juju's put together two really great weeks in a row he really reminds me a lot of heinz ward in a lot of ways it's like no he's not going to be a b he's not going to be deandre hopkins but wouldn't you take heinz ward as a number one receiver yeah i'd like to see how many yards after catch juju has because you're you're right i mean the guy fights um I, i see that in james washington and the same thing with um, Deontay Johnson. I mean, the guy fights, but Juju just looks like he's just built like a truck. Yeah, it's legitimately hard to bring him down. I mean, he's so strong, and he just he's a natural football player. He knows how to run with the ball. And then, of course, you know, we could talk about Deontay all day long, but he's got that thing. He's got the A.B. Dante Hall, uh, maybe not the Tyree Kill speed, of course, but the quickness, the start-stop is absolutely unbelievable. It's just in slow motion for him. I mean, especially when you watch the safety punt return. So, yeah, that's what I think. And then just to close it up with the running backs, James Conner looked really good. I mean, oh, my gosh, how do you not take that last play to the house? He ran out of gas at the end there, but uh, career-long run, good blocking by the offensive line. But if you rewatch it, it was a nice run by Conner, and it just shows you, like, Benny Snell is very similar to James Conner and he, uh, he can do a lot of things that he seems like, like neither one of them has a real sex appeal to their game, but Conner just is a little bit more explosive. He's a little bit more complete of a guy. Hopefully Benny keeps improving behind him and learns how to hold on to the football. Cause that's a problem already with him and Deontay. But uh, yeah, Conner looked good yesterday and I kind of have no further comments on the running backs. I'm, I'm glad that the, the ankle didn't seem to be, be a serious uh you know issue i guess the only other thing to mention are the tight ends eric ebron targeted five times he had three receptions for 43 yards a long of 21 um i don't know deontay led all receivers in third with 13 targets the next highest guy was juju with eight it's we see clearly see a pattern here i just uh and advance basically is out of the game he had two targets and he caught one uh Maybe that's to be expected. It looks like Ebron is just the number one target in tight ends. I really hope we take more advantage of him. I mean, he is he is a long guy. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of Ben developing the chemistry with him. And I got nervous about that all offseason when Claypool or not Claypool, when Ebron, who's such a just a likable, like fun guy, positive guy, very excited kind of all the time. I got a little nervous in the preseason when he's making all these comments and posts with him and Ben and commenting on NFL analysts tweets about like how certain teams are using tight ends. Like, look how this is happening in the red zone. And he's commenting like, wait till you see us. And in the back of my mind, I know, I know like, it's not going to be like that right away. You're not just going to get a plug in with Ben and it's just going to be this, this thing. 
but it can definitely develop. So I just hope that Ebron has the patience when he's not getting a bunch of touchdowns at first, you know, to hang in there. And I'll say this, uh, what was it like one catch the first week and now he's got almost 50 yards the second week. That's a positive step in the right direction. So that looks good. And, and I agree. Hopefully they start learning how to use him, especially in the red zone. You want to flip over to the defense? Cause I, you know, and I'm just going to start with the negative and let's, let's end on the positive. The negative was what I saw as a lack of steam in the second half, either uh, their aggressiveness sort of worked against their conditioning and you, you can't imagine these guys aren't well conditioned, but it kind of looked like they were gassed in the second half. And here's the tale of the tape in the first half, Denver was one for eight on third down in the second half. Denver was four for seven. Um, they were seven for 19 in passing in the first half and they went 20, 12 for 20 in the second. So they went from 37% uh, percent success rate in the first half to 60%. And I think that was maybe more indicative of the secondary, although I don't think the front seven got the push in the second half that they did in the first. Well, I agree with your point about them being a little bit gassed and uh, maybe the offense going three and out every single drive as a result of run and screen calls needlessly, uh, maybe that has all something to do with getting gassed. Huh? So people got to watch this game and look at it in context. The first play of the day, Drew Locke makes an Aaron Rodgers to Jordy Nelson-esque throw to Cortland Sutton on the sideline. And, and at that moment I said, oh man, this, this might be on. Because I've been very curious along with everybody else about Drew Locke and, and Sutton. They show star potential. And they made a play on Steven Nelson where you couldn't even really fault Nelson too much. I mean, it was bang, bang. That, that was bold. 15 yards, shoot it downfield right off the bat. They came out there aggressive. But after that first play, they couldn't get anything going. Locke couldn't complete a pass. So I think that when you rewatch the game circumstantially, they Locke and the Denver offense were overwhelmed by the Steelers' defense. And then when you put Driscoll in, yeah, he has a good game once every year for whoever it may be. The Bengals are now for the, the Denver Broncos. But I think that some of the defense tiring out is due to the offense playing scared. And they, they definitely can't do that against the Baltimores and the Kansas cities of the league. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 um, I don't know if there's anybody else I need to put a total highlight on as far as the defense goes just that maybe Alulu is really delivering and when he, whenever he's getting in the game I think he had another sack maybe even two and the silver bullet Mike Hilton was the other big standout besides the obvious fact that TJ is going to win defensive player of the year this year well Cam Sutton I just wanted to <laughs> the aggravating thing about these penalties is was Deontay Johnson's 81 yard touch um his return, his punt return for a touchdown that was nullified by Cam Sutton. I'm sorry, I'm a little out of context here, but I was just looking at, again at the negatives. And that, uh, it seemed to be a nitpicky block in the back that was called. But it was, it was a sign of things to come on the, the um, special teams, right, with Johnson's ability to return the ball. And I always get nervous when they start going east to west and doing this sort of crazy. It seems like there's more of a chance to lose yardage, but he obviously stuck with it and found a hole. Some guys can pull it off. It was like Antoine Randall. He could do that at the beginning of his career. And then after a while, if you lose a 10th of a second, you know, or a fraction of a second, you know, hundredth of a second off of your four yard dash time, you can't do that anymore. You got to cut up field, but Deontay definitely falls in that category. You do just get nervous 
when he does it because his ball security is so horrific. But uh, I'm all for it. Like, make the plays. Look how often he makes them. It's incredible. Colquitt has been a little bit of an issue on the punting, so we'll see. When you get a 60-year-old punter, sometimes that stuff can happen. Uh, yeah, the Cam Sutton penalty, it wasn't a penalty. So you just and, – and honestly, there were quite a few pass interferences called on the Steelers this game that were just – they were not pass interference. So, you know, some people online are getting up in arms about it. Uh, there's a lot of ticky-tacky calls going against the Steelers. And there always seems to be this subgroup of reporters who just refuse to admit that referees ever have anything to do with the game. And, of course, they do. You're going to have some games where you're not going to get calls. I mean, I think to the Steelers two years ago when they played the Chargers and the refs gave them two free touchdowns, you know, when there was a false start on offense that they didn't call and the receiver ran a go route when everybody else on defense literally stood there. So Phillip Rivers throws to him uncovered. And for some reason, they don't call that. You know, there's games where you're not going to get the calls. You know, one, one or two weeks later that same year, the Saints with the ridiculous pass interferences on Joe Hayden, you're going to have some games where you get calls going you know going against you but the Steelers should have dominated in spite of those those you know they should have still won comfortably even with those bad calls but it does help you to contextualize how well did the players play how well did they execute you can't just look at the final result or the the box scores those penalties do have to do something uh, you know with what actually happened in the game well they really need to cut out those penalties well that's not the only thing that they got to cut out you got to cut out some time in your day to cut the shrubberies. Thanks to Manscaped, they're going to have you looking like a brand new man, like a modern man. You want to be a Don Draper kind of man? You want to be a Tupac kind of man? You want to be a man's man? You want to be a king? Use Manscaped. All right. Have some damn pride. It's 2020. The time of nicking and cutting yourself while you are manscaping, you know, b- below the belt grooming, as it were. Those days are gone because manscaping has the best scientists in the world pulled off of COVID research to make sure that these pieces of equipment are so sleekly and so in such an impressive way that it is literally impossible to cut yourself or damage yourself. You can, you can uh, do trimming in the shower, so on and so forth. And it's not just about trimming. They have bombs, anti-chafing cream. They got all kinds of stuff that you can use to take care of, you know, what you need to take care of as far as that goes. All right? So just use that code armchair. Use that code armchair at manscaped.com. You'll get 20% off and free shipping. 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair, manscaped.com. I'll, be, I'll bet you're happy with that purchase. Yeah, you'd be betting right, and I hope that you made that bet on betonline.ag. They got the best lines, the best props in the game. Is Ben going to get MVP this year? He's on pace to throw 40 touchdowns this year. I'll take that bet. Let's go put one of those in right now, Dad. But either way, if you report to betonline.ag, they got action on every single major sport, simulated action, in addition to hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business, as I mentioned. So visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus betonline.ag your online wagering experts so next week the steelers take on the houston texas texans at home having they having just come off a 33 to 16 drubbing at the hands of the baltimore ravens uh the texans come into pittsburgh oh and two what are your thoughts about that game 
I would, I just feel bad for the Texans that they drew the chiefs and the freaking Ravens in the first two games. I'm excited about some Watt on Watt action. And if by excited, I mean like, please don't let Derek Watt block TJ. He's going to need some help or not TJ, JJ. Uh, so that's pretty cool. It is, uh, it's going to be a big test. Listen, the, the Texans are like generally well-coached team and we're finally playing a superstar quarterback for the first time. So I'm glad that we got a couple weeks under our belt before having to go against one of these guys. Uh, they have a capable receiving core clearly has taken a hit without Hopkins. I'm less nervous about them than I would be if Hopkins were playing. But the fact is, uh, Deshaun Watson is going to slip out of some of these tackles. I mean, he's just going to, so the Steelers are going to have a test on their hands, but the Texans are not an overwhelmingly talented team. The Steelers are definitively a more talented team across the board than what the Texans are. You just have to watch out. If you get yourself in a situation like you did with New York and Denver, where you're playing down to teams levels because someone like Deshaun, he's going to figure it out by the fourth quarter. If you give him enough chances, I don't care who his receivers or his running back are. This is going to be the most potent team. The Steelers have played yet. They're also going to be wrapped and complete because their season is essentially online. I mean, if you, we know the stats, right? If you go 0-3, you're not making the playoffs. I mean, it happens once every 10, 20 years, it seems like. So you, they're going to get the Houston Texans' best effort, but it seems like the Steelers are going to be pretty uh, helpful to the game. I just hope that Randy Feetner lets Ben cut it loose a little bit more because I think that that's going to be the key to the game. So I don't think we knew about this uh, in time for last week's game, but obviously everybody knows by now, Zach Banner is out for the season with a torn ACL. One of the saddest stories ever. I mean, this guy works so hard, but you know what? I think um, a core for story is pretty good too. I mean, he may not have been the social media maven that Zach was, but he stepped up and um, to fill the void, they brought up journeyman and former Steeler Gerald Hawkins. So they got some depth solidifying there. Hopefully Wisniewski and, and DeCastro are able to come back sooner rather than later. And the, and the Steelers can withstand this. This is an injury crazy year without season. It just happens anytime you miss preseason. But I'm hoping that uh, the Steelers, uh, the fact that they just have a bunch of just athletic freaks all over the field, and the fact that their defense is always the aggressor and not the, the side of being aggressed upon, I think that hopefully that bodes well for them. And uh, let's see if they can just Take the top off a little bit more. I think that the touchdowns to Deontay and um, Claypool, I mean, those are huge Ben touchdowns. I mean, the, the touchdowns against the Giants were nice, but when you're talking Ben Roethlisberger, you're talking one of the best deep ball throwers in history on the go route, and you're talking about one of the best guys when he breaks the pocket to make those touchdown throws. So those were vintage, classic Ben playmaking touchdowns. Hopefully that gets his confidence up. I think it will. And then – if you take a little bit, I mean, they'd be had against the Texans secondary. So hopefully they do that. So the Steelers are generally off on Monday or the day after a game. But my assumption is those receivers will be in front of the jugs machine at midnight tonight at 12.01. And they won't leave until Thursday at 12.01 a.m. That's a great plan. I think that Deontay Johnson should maybe just carry around a football or like a baby or an egg or whatever you need to do just for the week. Because if he takes care of that, then he's... Uh, He's got all pro written all over him. Visit the website, SteelersOutpost.com. Check us out on Instagram at SteelersOutpost. Hit us up on Twitter at SteelersOutpost or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. 
Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.